and you can see the size of that thing. Now, if you're going to be out there fishing and you're illegally doing it, you should be thrown in a tent or a crab pot. I'd have to say, if you're going to use a long shank hook, great for whiting, perfect for yabbies, not the best for live bait, such as a herring. Oh, come on, mate, you're joking, aren't you? That's absolute, that's that's rubbish, you know. Now put yourself in a fishing line here. Now, that's a catch. That is a quality catch. Well done, champion. Everybody and welcome to another Step Outside podcast. Yes, it is that time of the night, day, morning, afternoon. Whatever you want to be doing, wherever you are, you are listening to the Step Outside podcast. Here with Birdie and our special guest today, coming to you live down the line, is Ryan Lomax from Anaconda G'day. at Tin Galper. Good morning to you, mate. G'day, team. How you going, Paul? Good, brother. Not too bad at all. Thanks for your, to your uh, time today, mate. Um, mate, you're a busy man, of course, particularly after the Christmas rush. Oh, absolutely, Paul. Thanks for having me. Mate, not a problem at all. Uh, mate, um, tell me about your role at Tingalpa, mate. You've been there for a while. You've seen a few changes coming through and obviously experienced the busy times uh, that um, has really brought Australian public to being outdoors. Um, mate, what's it like? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Well, um, yeah, we've um, been at uh, the Tingalpa site since uh, basically 2017. So uh, I came on board with Anaconda then and, and built the store up and, and started the team, and uh, we've been going strength to strength ever since. So, um, you know, we've seen massive expansion through our store. We've we've basically, you know, pretty much all doubled our, our, our store uh, on, on the site as well. Like, we've got expansion through fishing. We've got, you know, major expansion through marine and, and marine electronics and boating equipment. Our camping scene is massive. Um, you know, even our, our clothing range has gone from, you know, very limited to a, a very extensive range. So you can pretty much all come into our store and get anything you want um, to step outside. It's great. Mate, I love how you threw it in there, step outside, because that's what we're doing and, and, and what we're talking about today. Mate, got to, got to ask you, there's a lot of people out there, and I'd imagine you get a lot of people going into the Anaconda store, and of course any Anaconda around the country, is that um, people are, are first-timers. They're going, man, you know, this lockdown stuff sucks. I hate it. But, you know, I want to step outside and do what I love to do here and try something a bit different. Now, you might be a seasoned camper. You might be a seasoned, experienced angler, boaty, or whatever it might be, but... For those, we all start somewhere, and we start somewhere by giving it a crack, getting that urge to wanting to go and do something differently. Um, mate, when it comes to camping, tell me about what what is some of the essentials that is needed for the first-timers to get out there and make them want to love what they're doing, not get out there and go, oh, this is the too-hard basket, I need a five-star hotel, I'm out of here. What is it they need to take? Have you got any ideas there to to shine on to people out there who are listening up thinking, man, I want to give this a crack. I want to go to the Cape. I want to go to WA, if you're allowed. I do want to go to Queensland. I want to try different areas. What is it they need to do? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the biggest thing, and I suppose in my book, is making sure you're as, as comfortable as possible. Like, you know, there's nothing worse than going camping and you've got the most uncomfortable airbed the, the tent that leaks, the stove that doesn't, you know, run or runs out of gas, um, or, you know, the, the esky that doesn't hold ice. Um, you know, the biggest thing at, at Anaconda is we want to make you as, as comfortable as possible within the means of your budget to get out there and have the best time outside. 
So, you know, for me, it's it's making sure, let's, let's start with the basics. Hey, look, you know, when you go camping, you want a comfortable camp chair. You know, you want to, you don't want to be sitting on a stump or the ground or a rock. You know, our camp chair range starts at, you know, measly $20. It's, it's you know, very basic gear, but it's comfortable. It'll get you out there. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got, you know, close to like about 40 or 50 different styles of camp chairs now. It's, it's insane. So you can really treat yourself there. Um, and the other thing is like, you know, again, um, probably bedding, you know, spend the most you can on your bed. You know, we sell things, you know, up to a couple of hundred dollars, but obviously it's not going to be in everyone's budget, but we've got, you know, comfortable, you know, air beds and then, you know, entry level self inflating mats. And, you know, they're, they're all in store to try, like our camp chairs, you can, you can lay on a mattress, you can, you know, snuggle up to one another and, and, and test it out. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously under supervision, of course, we won't leave you alone. <laughs> and then, um, and then making sure you got a tent as well. Like our tent range is so so uh, broad now. Um, we do everything from you know just people that are going to the the local music festival all the way up to guys that are like you said doing the cape. You know, we we want to make sure that we we've got that sorted out. Um, you know, so we've got, we've got such a such a broad range there, and um, you know, we'll meet everyone's budget. So that's probably the, the first three things you want to make sure you've got a, a chair, a bed, and a nice comfy tent, and then that way you're sheltered and comfortable. And then everything else from there, you know, um, you know, making sure that you can cook uh, is, is probably essential if you're going to be doing that. Some people just tag along with another family or or a bunch of friends. Um, you know, you don't have to spend the world on a on a six hundred dollar can't cook out this. I mean, we do stoves starting at like twenty dollars, so you know it's it's very affordable and and, and very easy to get into. So I got to say on the on our show, I, I'm religiously using the Spinifex single gas cartridge burner. Now I oh, have absolutely, mate. I, that thing there. It, what what's the cost on that there, Rhino? Uh, normally, uh, normally you're around a bit. Twenty four ninety nine. Yeah, okay. So, so, yeah, yeah so, so call, very, very cheap. Call it around twenty bucks, and then you can get a, a, a case yeah. of six cartridges for a little extra, which you keep in storage anyway. But that particular Correct. unit there, everyone, is that I take in my boat. Okay, we don't have the biggest boat, we don't have the Queen Mary, but we've got a boat I can sleep on, and that is in the V berth up the front on the Surtees. Um, and in the side pocket, I keep one of those those cookers. Uh, underneath the uh, the the, the uh, shelving area, I keep a frying pan, I've got some spray oil, some salt and pepper, and a couple of plates. And then what I do with that is if I catch a fish, I cook. And I, I take my, my kid away a lot there, my young fellow Kayla, and we'll cook what we catch. And that's it. We don't take any other food. And we'll take some water with us, but we don't take any other food. And we just rely on what we're going to do, catch and cook method. So, mate, that little cooker, I've cooked everything at home, I've, I've you know, from your garlic prawns to spaghettis to breakfasts to lunch, whatever. It's such a great little unique uh, setup there. And, of course, mate, when it comes down to also wanting to be comfortable, okay, I also think that you've really got to start to embrace what you mentioned about, and that is comfortability chairs, now, I know that you mentioned also that in Anaconda, you've got all the chairs up there so people can have a bit of a look, a bit of a, a feel, a bit of a play, and just sit in them, mm-hmm. utilise them. Mate, what's the most comfy chair that you have that you like, that you would say, hey, guys, take this with you? It's, gonna, it's, it's the kings of the thrones. 
Absolutely. And I think probably my favourite chair, and this, this is the thing with um, with comfortability, everyone finds something comfortable different. Um, you know, and that's why we've got all the chairs set up. And I think my favourite out of our whole range is actually something in the mid-range, which is our moon chair. So, uh, and, and as the name suggests, it is actually like a big round moon. It's, it's almost like an ice cream scoop. So when you sort of sit into it, it scoops you up, you know, you can snuggle up into it. Um, you can actually sit cross-legged in it. It's, it's massive. And, um, you know, and they're, you know, $69, um, you know, and that, that's a good mid-range. You don't have to spend that, that you know, $300 range on like an Oz tent chair, which has got all the bells and whistles and, and whatnot. I mean, this, this moon chair is, is probably our most popular chair um, in that mid-range market. You know, it packs up reasonably well. Um and uh, it's just nice and comfy, and, and everyone loves it. And we've got so many different colours now. I think we've got brown and green and light grey and blue. And, and um, yeah, so that's probably my favourite, Paul. Mate, um, and, and good call there as well. When it comes to tents, um, you do have the, the, the cheaper side of tents. That's pretty good. Okay, and I also think mm-hmm. that if you're going to get a tent, you need to get a tarp. Uh, tarps are important. One, they stop the rain, give you a bit of shelter, and also they stop the heat, give you a bit of shade. So a tarp mm-hmm. is super important. To tarp up properly there, Rhino, what do you need, mate? Do you need tent pegs? Do you get just tie it to a tree? Do you, uh, you know, what's the go to make it secure? Yeah, absolutely. So depending on the size of your actual tent. So, you know, if, if you've just got like a two or three person tent, you're just starting out. But a small, you know, um, 12 foot square tarp will be fine. Um, and with that guy there, you could simply just uh, pitch it like an A-frame. So think of the letter A, uh, you've basically got your tarp uh, running across the top, um, two upright poles, which we generally use nine-foot poles, and then we'd have two um, double, um, basically spring-loaded uh, tent ropes off of that with two pegs. Mm. Now, and from there, you can either use poles around the outside, but for a small tent like that, you could simply run ropes to the ground from the edge. So, you know, a small setup like that isn't going to cost the world, uh, it's going to keep you nice and cool and waterproof in your tent as well uh, and very simple to set up. Um, but, I mean, the other option as well is, is a lot more people are moving to that gazebo option as well. Um, and we sell a lot more gazebos these days than we do tarp setups um, simply because when, you know, we're, we're very family-orientated. We're current, encouraging families and, and, and new couples to get out there and, and step outside. Um, you know, you've got kids running around your ankles, you know, you've you've just dragged the wife out of the five-star hotel to, to go out camping. And the last thing they want to do is hold on to ropes and pegs and poles. And generally, you can just pop up a gazebo in a matter of seconds um, and have your tent covered, have the kids all set up, have the wife with a wine in her hand, and you're ready to rock and roll. And it's stress-free. Mate, that Spinifex, I did a, uh, a how-to setup video there for Anaconda on the Spinifex with the uh, side, not just the side walls, but the enclosed walls. That um, It's like the, the white walls that go around it. You can actually put your yep. swag inside that and all your cooking equipment, and then the next day just put your cooking equipment outside again, whatever it might be. But it's a, a really cool thing, and it's super affordable. I love it. I think that's unreal. And, in fact, I did lend it to a, a couple of fellas who went up to Fraser Island. They, they were going up there. The weather was a bit adverse. I said, here, take this thing. So I lent them mine, and uh, they went up there, and uh, let's just say that Spinifex has been multi-used because a month later, a month later, 
I went up to just past Warrally Creek on the inside of Platypus Bay. I was in my boat with my young fellow. And I've gone past, and because I never got my tent back, right? I never got my spin effects back. These guys, I said, yeah, no, it's all good. They got up there, they befriended quite a few campers at Rally Creek. And when I went past a month later, there's my spin effects with the side walls up. So that particular that particular system was because they couldn't be bothered setting it down, right? They, they thought, oh, no, you, you guys. Hey, Johnny, you guys are staying for another another couple of weeks. You're here for 10 days. Why don't you just, just take this? So then Johnny's turned around to Simon and said, hey, you're here for another. So, mate, this particular setup has become <laughs> a, a, a featured piece on that part of the island that people are just handing it on to the next dude. So it's a really cool thing to take. And anyone out there listening, definitely check it out. And uh, it's definitely affordable and it's a, it's a great piece of equipment to have with you as well. Mate, um, when it comes to kerosene v LED lights, one mm-hmm. thing a lot of people uh, you know, uh, don't want to do is take a lot of like fuel with them because of uh, fire hazards. Some areas don't allow you to have mm-hmm. a naked flame, uh, particularly in national parks. So LEDs, mate, uh, what's the go with those? What's a, a higher amount of lumens that's accessible that you need or requirement? Um, you know, give me the drum on some lighting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, um, dawn of the days of having uh, kerosene and gas lamps. Um, I mean, we simply don't sell the quantity we do um, that we did back in the day. And, and that simply comes to the fact that we've now got a wider range of LED lights. Um, you know, the technology is caught up. Uh, you've got, you know, very affordable options, you know, starting, you know, as, as cheap as $15, $20 for a, for a lamp that'll practically light up your campsite. Um and, you know, in, you think of safety as well, like, you know, we've got a lot of, lot of um, customers that are going out to the bush and, you know, um, those those lights would use a heat source, so a naked flame. And I know you like naked flames, Paul. I love um, naked flame, mate. Yep, that's it. <laughs> With the marshmallows, um, you know, the schmores. <laughs> you like a good schmore, I'd imagine there, Rhino, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've had a few of them in my time. Um <laughs> But, you know, it, it only takes one spark to light a light of bushfire, um, you know, and, and and taking that element away, it makes it a lot safer experience for people out in the bush um, and a lot stress-free. So you can pull a, a lantern out, throw some batteries in it or recharge it and simply just turn it on. Um, and, you know, our, our range, like I said, starts at around $15, $20. Um, you know, they're, they're nice and bright enough. LED light delivers a, a nice crisp white light so you can read by it. So if you're reading a book at night or if the kid's going to be reading a book before they go to bed or whatnot, you can give them a lamp and away they go. They just turn it off when they go. Um, you know, and probably our most popular lantern that we do uh, is a thousand lumen Dorsey, actually. Um, so uh, that guy takes uh, four D-cell batteries and I think you get well over 100 hours of runtime uh, on high. So wow. that's amazing. And I think a maximum is like 300-odd hours on low. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got quite a few camping trips in that lantern alone um, just on 4D cell batteries. And it's safe, easy. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about fuel and all that sort of jazz. Just a couple of batteries, you know, throw some spare in your camp kit. Uh, you know, we still pack the four of them, so... 
yeah, it's, it's a simple and easy easy way to light up your campsite. The other thing is also a lot of people might be saying, well, how do I recharge uh, a, you know, the Dorsey or just a standard LED? Well, generally, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them these days are through USB cables. So in most cars, and Correct. if you don't have a, uh, a car that has USB uh, input jack, is you can just get your cigarette lighter jack and put the USB into that. You can buy them. So that's an easy way mm-hmm. to recharge your battery. So when you're going for a drive throughout the day, just whack it on charge. You get back at night time, you're all set for the next few nights. Uh, and if you're not, you know, just charge it up, put your car on or whatever it might be. And uh, you can also get on batteries. So, uh, you know, your, your other batteries, your larger batteries around your campsite or off your car, again, to recharge your LED lighting. Mate, is there much of a difference to go from the beach to the bush in difference of setup for camping requirements, i.e. tent pegs? Is a sand peg going to go into the dirt? Is a dirt peg going to go into the sand? What's the drum? Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, by all means, you can definitely put a sand peg into dirt, but it will not come out. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck Trust there. me. That yeah. becomes the spin can... effects of Fraser Island. You just leave it there for the next person to hook their rope onto, right? <laughs> That's it, mate. Um, like I've, I've seen and I've spoken to many people. They go, oh, you know, we wanted the biggest tent peg uh, we could possibly get. You know, which is you know, we were two by which is like about um, four four hundred miles long, uh, and they built this thing into the into the earth, and by all means, it will go in. But the whole idea of of a uh, of a sand peg is actually grip onto the sand, so it's got channels in it. Um, you know, there's normally a cross section or, or whatnot, and the whole idea is it, it grips on, and when you belt that into the, into the earth, it's not going to come out. So, um, you know, we, we do we do uh, sand pegs, which are generally are, are plastic. Uh, yes, you can get metal ones, um, but they are substantially more expensive, um, and you've just got to be careful that they're, um, they're not metal because they will rust if you take them to the beach. Uh, and um, and then you've also got the steel uh, round sort of uh, rebar pegs. So we do a couple of different uh, sizes of those guys there, and um, basically, you know, go into the bush, just grab some metal metal pegs. You don't need to grab the ones that are half a meter long to belt them into the earth. Um, if you're doing that to keep your tent on the ground, then there's a good chance you're in a cyclone and you're not going to want to be there anyway. <laughs> so. no, that, that happened to me once again. Everything happens at Fraser Island for me is that I uh, many, many years ago, I remember staying at a place called Dunderborough. And a few people who have oh, been yeah. up there would know where Dunderborough is. That's right. And, uh, mm-hmm. mate, this uh, tornado came across. We could hear the radio at Harvey Bay because we had the, the tunes going and there was a... a, a you know, breaking this, uh, you know, uh, show. We need to talk about this uh, tornado coming through. It's heading in an easterly direction. We're thinking, right, we're right in, right in its path. So, long story short, is we went all uh, jumped into the the toilets because it was a solid, um, you know, concrete block area that we could all hide in. So we did that. When we came out, I couldn't find my tent. <laughs> my tent was gone. I don't think any sand peg would have saved that tent, mate. In fact, I know a couple of uh, koalas or possums made it their home because it was 100 feet up in a nearby tree when we saw it the next day. Um, and it carved a path right through the, the middle of the island. Quite a, a fascinating uh, bit of weather that came through. Excellent. Mate, yeah, it was great, mate, absolutely. So I, I do need, I needed some of those really big tent pegs then. Mate, um, when you go away camping, do you need to take a tackle shop with you? I know you love your fishing. You're an outdoorsy mm-hmm. bloke. Tell me... When it comes to that, what is it you need for your bare necessities? When Ryan Lomax goes out and steps outside, what do you take with you? 
Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Um, well, you know, when I when I ever plan a trip, um, you know, and uh, I'm planning to take friends, family, partner, I always plan it to be around somewhere where I actually can fish. So whether I'm going over to Stratty or, you know, down uh, Sundown National Park, uh, up to Fraser, um, I, I've always got it planned that I'm going to go fishing. Um, and otherwise, if I was just to sit in the bush all weekend, I would get so bored. I'd probably light a fire and I'd cook all the food in the esky in the first night. Um so, um, but yeah, definitely, um, you know, and, and the lifestyle of fishing, like uh, I, I'm pretty broad, so I love um, freshwater and saltwater fishing. So, you know, when I go out in the bush, I'm always sort of thinking, you know, are we fishing for bass, yellow belly, um, cod, um, all those varieties through there. And, and that's probably my favourite when I go camping because it's so peaceful, you know, you're not, you're not having crashing waves and, and tides to, to contend with. You know, you you camp right next to a nice nice river or stream where you can go exploring. You know, and um, you know, I always say to people like generally people that camp will generally fish or or, or are interested in giving it a go. So you can take some basic equipment, um, and if you're going freshwater, you know, some basic lures like some hard bodies uh, or some spinner baits, uh, even some soft plastics. I mean, we can step through through that range in store as well. Um, simply just tell the guys um, when you when you come in, you know, they're specialists, hey, look, uh, we, you know, we're going camping uh, down Stansall Play and we're going to find a river and we're going to go um, try for a Murray Cod. Uh, what do you need? So basic rod reel outfit, you know, something yeah. around that three to five kilo range. You don't need to take a power pole with you, you, you know. Um, you're not looking for that, you know, big guru you know, 1.2 metre cod. Um, you're just down there for a bit of fun. So three to five kilo um, outfit, you know, running 10 to 15 pound line. Um, and my favourite, uh, and it's Phil Prefleur is a spinnerbait. You know, and a spinnerbait is simply uh, basically a jig head connected to a bit of wire with a, with a spinner on top. And it's got this pulsating skirt uh, on, on the hook's, um, basically to, to represent a fish and the, the spinner on top of it uh, is basically to uh, to annoy the, the predatory fish so you know if you were you know sitting there at the campsite and this spinny thing kept going back and forth back and forth back and forth you'd get annoyed too and you'd, you'd probably chase after it um, then the same thing we want to do with, with fishing so uh, so that's that's my recommendation you know, keep it basic like you know don't take um, a million lures you know, we'd love to sell them to you, but um, the worst thing you can do is confuse yourself and get down to the riverbank and go, hey, look, I've just gone to Anaconda and I've bought 40 different lures and I'm spoiled for choice and every five minutes I'm changing lures and, you know, keep it simple. Grab three or four lures, go out for a trip, throw them around, ask the, the advice of your, your local Anaconda specialist and it will all sort you out and... and the same thing goes for salt water. Like, um, you know, I always say, like, if I'm going to be camping Fraser or or, uh, or Morton or, or Stratty, you know, keep it simple. You know, if you're going to be fishing the calm side, like what most, most people enjoy, you know, it's great for families. You know, you don't have any real rough surf. Yeah. Great for whiting and flathead. Um, you know, some, you know, simple long chunk hook, swivel, small sinker. You know, you can throw a bit of uh, prawn or... or uh, or uh, 
you know, worm on there if, you, if you're lucky enough to catch them. Uh, I'm useless at it. I will admit that. Um, I know. I know you're awesome at catching beach worms, Paul. So, um, but um, yeah, and, and just keep it simple like that. And um, you know, the one thing that I say, you know, because parents come in, they go, "Oh, look, you know, we've, we've got young kids. If we give them a bag of prawn, they're probably going to stick them in their mouth." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I say, you know, uh, bread. You know, a small hook with a bit of bread on it, catching brim. Um, you know, there's a lot of campsites around jetties, um, you know, rock walls and that sort of stuff, like especially like Amity Point is a, is a great example over at Stradbroke Island. Yeah. I sent some customers over there recently and, um, you know, they threw the, oh, if we give our kids prawns, they're going to end up eating them. I'm like, look. I wouldn't have done that when I was a kid, but... Yeah, absolutely. Make sure they took their heads off, okay? They're a bit, they're a bit spiky, yeah. everyone. Just uh, and take and the show off. And I just said, look, go, go to Luxton Bean Store, get a loaf of bread. Um, don't use the crust. Use your crust as burly yeah. and put it on there. And he said he had an absolute ball. Um, yeah. His kids caught heaps of brim, and it wasn't more so about size; it was more quality and keeping the kids interested as well. Um, yeah. you know, and, and he had a ball too, you know, having to unhook every single brim and reload the hook and throw it out right. for them. So, and, and that's what it's about: is you know, getting the kids, and everyone's got to be comfortable and, and enjoyable. I have a good mate of mine, Josh, who uh, he is a shareholder of an economy. He spent so much money there when it comes to um, camping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so this is why the sales at Ashmore have been up. So basically, is uh, and he went to uh, one of the islands up north, Fraser, again, and uh, he took his two boys with him to the point on the first afternoon of camping where he loves it. He loves it. He wanted to introduce his two kids. And uh, it, mate, they, they just screamed the house down. Couldn't do it. So he ended up going back to Kingfisher Bay, Kingfisher Bay Resort, right? Thinking, right, oh, mm-hmm. so he's packed the tent up, gone back to Kingfisher Bay Resort of where the kids just screamed out. He then just drove them back the next morning to the Gold Coast, dumped them off with the missus, drove back to Fraser, and he had a week of solace camping at Worrelly Creek using my Spinifex. So, mate, it just goes to show that if you do it right with the right people, you can really enjoy yourself as well. Mate, a lot of people, when it comes to food, cry back their meals before they go. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big thing for me, Paul. Um, you know, when I um, go camping, I, I love to prep. Um, you know, I take a, a fridge freezer, and it's not the, the massive, you know, 90-litre ones that, you know, people think they, they need. We've got a small 50-litre, you know, and, and thinking about space in there, um, you know, we do a lot of meal prep. We cry back uh, things like pulled pork, brisket, Oh. Um, you know, marinated meat and that sort of stuff. And you, and you want to make it as easy as possible. Like, I don't take, uh, you know, like a, a big hooded barbecue or anything now. You know, it's gone of the days where you take weathers away with you. You know, you want to keep it simple. You know, think of, you know, you've been out all day, you've been fishing, you've been surfing, you know, you've been bushwalking. The last thing you want to come back is prepare a, you know, 10-course meal for the family. You just want to pull something out of the fridge, dump it on the hot plate, throw it on their plate and get them out of there. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I do a lot of prep, you know, smoking meats, you know. As, as you know, like I, I love uh, smoking briskets or porks and all that sort of jazz. In fact, we, we, um, we've got you, know. you coming up on the show doing some stuff there with um, low and slow cooking um, and also you yeah. know, the, the cooking equipment there at Anaconda. So I uh, look forward to bringing everyone who's listening that sort of uh, that sort of stuff and uh, 
and, and lessons yeah. on how people can do it properly because it is such a, a fantastic way to uh, to eat your and cook your, your meals. But, but mate, it, it is a good mm. thing if you could go camping. Imagine taking out of the cryovac. Tell everyone what does cryovac mean. I know what it means, but you know, coming from the expert, what do you, what does it what does it actually mean? Yeah, absolutely. So all it is is um, you're putting uh, whatever you want to food wise or uh, or whatever you want to preserve into a uh, bag. Uh, there's a machine that you basically pop that onto and it sucks all the air out uh, and seals the bag. So the one thing that will kill uh, food or make it go off is oxygen. So within oxygen, there's, there's bacteria um, and it will basically get inside that food and degrade it. So and when you cryovac something, you can actually keep it two to three times longer in the fridge than you would normally with a, with a snap lock bag. So for instance, if you were to snap lock um, you know, a steak, and then you were to cry back a steak and put them in at the same time. That steak would probably last about three to four days in the fridge, and then after that, you're sort of risking it. You, you do the sniff test, and then, you know, probably about five days, you'd be throwing that steak in the bin. Yeah, wow. With cryovacking, um, you could easily get three to four weeks. So, you know, if you cry back that steak, properly took all the oxygen out and if you're using a device like you know the Dometic Cryovacker or we've now got a June one available in the store as well um, those two devices will suck all the air out they'll preserve it you know and that's that's fresh like that's not frozen as well Um, you know if you were to freeze that steak you could easily keep that steak in your freezer for 12 months Um, yeah easily without without an issue yeah see that's pretty cool that's a pretty cool way to do it. And and knowing that when you do go camping, you can have all of this amazing food all done, mm-hmm. all done up and you can go out and spend your day fishing, swimming, sightseeing, hiking, knowing that when you get back, you're not going to sit back. And, and it is a good thing to go camping and, 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 you know, to throw the snags on. We can't take that away because that is part of iconic Australian camping is throw a sausage on the barbie. You know, make yourself some burgers. You know, take the mints and just have some burgers there. But you can have it all pre, mm-hmm. pre-made. And this is the benefit is yeah, instead of spending, you know, an hour or two preparing your meals, um, you know, fair enough, bacon and eggs, you don't. That's just get up in the morning and simply throw that off. But you can have a beautiful delicacy, even a good old lamb curry, already pre-done, pre-made. All you have to do mm-hmm. is just throw it in the camp up and really... Exactly, and and you can also sous vide as well. So, uh, and and essentially, that's like if you were to put say stew in one of those cryovac bags, uh, or even some marinated uh, meats like chicken breast or, or fish. Um, put a pot of water on the stove, bring that up to a simmer, and then you can pop that into the water in the actual bag. Uh, it can stay in the bag. They're, they're BPA-free, so it's, it's not going to lead to any chemicals or nasty taste out. Uh, and it will actually cook in the bag really nice and gently. Uh, and then you can pull that out. If it's a stew, you just tip it straight into a, to a, a bowl or whatnot with a bit of crusty bread, and away you go. So nice and easy. Mate, uh, a good way to do it. Mate, when you do go camping, uh, Gully Hill, where do you put your um, where do you put your in-laws? <laughs> Mate, I always find uh, where the floodlines are and make sure they're on the uh, worst side of that. <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah, funny story is, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've 
spoken to a lot of my friends, and I won't name names, but uh, a lot of them have uh, camped on the beach, um, especially along Tiwa. And, and you know how flat Tiwa Beach is along there at the best of times. Uh, and, uh, yes, pulled up later on a Friday, set the swag up because, hey, look, we've, we've come here straight from work. It's, you know, it's almost 10 at night. Let's just set up and we'll find a better place in the morning. They wake up in the morning and there's water lapping at their feet. Uh, you know, it, it's about reading the environment. You know, if, if you're camping on the beach, look at where your high tide lines are. And, you know, and, and I know at the moment we've, we've experienced some, some very adverse weather events. Um, I think you've lost most of your beach down the Gold Coast, Paul, because of um, high tides and uh, cyclonic weather. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's shocking. So, um, <laughs> So, you know, if you're camping on the beach, check your high tide lines, check where debris is, um, you know, because there's a good chance that if you're camping on the other side of where, you know, you've had all this stuff washed up on the beach, you're going to wake up in the water. Um, you know, look at uh, the hillsides as well. So um, that's the big thing that, that we learned back, back, back in the day when we went scouting is when you look at a hill, you'll see uh, what you see like a gully and essentially think of it as a funnel. When the rain hits the top of the hill, it will hit this gully and it will actually drain down. And if you're right there on the base of that drain, you're going to get a river of water straight through your tent. Um, so, so read your environment. You know, take a take a step back before you pull your thirty second tent out uh, to set it up and try and beat all your mates to the to the best spot. Um, you know, take ten seconds just to view your surroundings, get a nice level campsite, check for debris, check for rocks. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, um, you know, there's been some because uh, we've had more people out camping. There's been a lot more people that have had trees fall on their tents lately. Um, you know, and the biggest thing I say to people is, we, we have these things called widow makers. Uh, you know, look up as well. You know, because yes. you've got. Big trees, big gum trees. Um, you know, look for uh, dead limbs or, or dying, dying leaves on, on a branch because it's a clear indicator that limbs probably dead or dying. The next good heavy wind or storm that can snap off and, and come down on you and your family, which is what you don't want. You don't, um, no, at all. No, not at no, all. No, I, I, I recall a story there. I, I took my in-laws camping right, and uh, we had our camper trailer, and we were down at. Uh, this place in northern New South Wales. Anyways, I put them in... Uh, I, I didn't really know it was a gully because we had three tents in this little camp area and this one spot, like I was off of the deck because I had big full drive tyres on my camper trailer. So I was up, I was all right. And uh, I had my wife, who was pregnant at the time, uh, with our second. And I put the in-laws into an area that they could only fit. And the reason why there's no one there, and this is late at night, is because it was a gully. <laughs> Mate, it bucketed down rain. Man, it bucketed. I'm talking like an inch in literally five minutes, and we had like, you know, an hour of rain to the point that I still vividly remember my mother-in-law looking like a like a, a wrecked possum, right? Drenched to the drenched to her eyeballs. They had two feet of water come through their tent site, all their stuff, all their clothes, so wet, so wrecked. The whole place was just a schmozzle. Again, I'm three feet up because I've got big four-wheel drive tyres, so I'm fine. And I look out, and all I did is shine the torch down, and they're trying to get everything up into their car. And they sat in their car, and I, and I looked, and I said, you right? 
you, you guys okay? And they're, like, they're just looking at me like, I really hate you. And they sat in their car and slept in the car all night. The next day, the next day, I did have to um, uh, invite them into our camp area and put the um, put a couple of swags inside the tent that we had set up around our annex because, you know, it was the, 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 the right thing to do. But you know what? They don't come with me again. <laughs> That's oh, it. that's strange. No, that I can't really imagine strange. why not. <laughs> it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Hey, Rhino, mate, I've got to thank you for your time, mate. Um, you're an absolute wealth of knowledge. And, of course, it's been an absolute enjoyable uh, chat with you because people wanting to step outside, they, they can learn and listen to what that valuable information you have. Um, you know, of course, your role at Anaconda is paramount. People come to you for guidance and support and also for information so when they do get to step outside they're doing it correctly and enjoyable at the same time mate thank you very much and if you want to get up there and see rhino ryan lomax is his name he is the you're store manager yeah i am mate yeah i'm, I'm still there I, they still let let me open up and give me the keys every day so <laughs> holy shit what's going on with that <laughs> well, i know <laughs> must be doing something right <laughs> <laughs> and as you can tell, everybody, he's a bloody good bloke, okay? Dan Worth, and this is the whole team around Anaconda. That's what they base themselves on. Dan Worth, people who are very, very knowledgeable and uh, and friendly, and that's what we love to see and talk about. So, Rhino, thanks, buddy. And, uh, mate, when are you away next, quickly? Yeah, so uh, heading over to Stratty at uh, the end of the month, mate. So heading over there for a week of, um, of fishing and um and exploring over over at Amity and um, Point Lookout, mate. So I was looking forward to it. Mate, you could have gone to uh, Warrally Creek on Fraser and got yourself straight up there because there's a spin effect still set up there, I believe, at the entrance to the creek. But have yourself <laughs> a great day, mate. That's it, everybody, for another Step Outside podcast. You've been listening here to Paulie Burt and, of course, Ryan Lomax there. Have yourself a great time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week as we step outside. As a young fella, I've always loved the outdoors with that sense of adventure calling. That adventure has become my life's passion that I love to share. Hey there, I'm Paul Burt. Come with me and let me share the experiences I've learned over the years along with some pretty cool tips and tricks as we step outside. Step outside.